listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. We are halfway home on this first Tuesday in February. Thanks so much for being with us. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Pat Kerwin at the top of the bonus hour at 9 a.m., live from Super Bowl. 57 good bad and ugly what's on tap today was the day when it all returns in our new bonus hour beginning one hour from now alejandro solana is kind enough to join us he's a big part of qam in miami it's part of the dolphins radio network but he is on the air as a big part of the heat radio network and you can follow alejandro on twitter at alex m solana s-o-l-a-n-a alejandro it's david and mark good morning thanks for your time how are you David, Mark, good to be here. Appreciate you guys having me. All right. Three o'clock Thursday. Between now and then. <laughs> Think the Heat do anything? I do. I really do. I don't expect a big deal. You know, everybody, especially down here in Miami, fans have this expectation that the Heat are trying to land a whale and that Pat Riley is going to go and move mountains and bring in another superstar. I think... Those expectations are just fool's gold. If you remember back in 2020 when the Heat made that finals run in the in the NBA bubble, prior to that trade deadline, obviously we had the stoppage in play and all that stuff. But before any of that, when uh, life was still normal, what the Heat did is they went out and they made smaller deals. If you remember, they brought in a Jay Crowder, an Andre Iguodala, and even a Solomon Hill, that, that didn't matter as much. But the Jake Crowder and the Andre Iguodala, those were smaller trade pieces, but they filled really necessary gaps that the Heat needed on their roster, and it helped them become a championship-quality team. I can see the Heat trying to make smaller moves like that. Um, maybe, you know, not for players as, as good as Andre Iguodala and Jake Crowder, but to me, that's the key there for Miami. Try to fill needs that they're absolutely desperate of going into the final stretch of this season. This team struggles shooting the ball. They went from being the best offensive team um, or one of the best offensive teams last year in the NBA, the best shoot three-point shooting team last year in the NBA, to this year being one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA. They're 27th overall in offense and one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA, 28th overall in three-point shooting percentage. I mean, that's a precipitous drop-off from last year to this year. Their defense is where you expect a Heat defense to be. They're second in the NBA right now in team defense, fourth overall net uh, defensive rating. They need offensive firepower. That's what they're lacking desperately, right? Kyle Lowry has taken a huge drop-off in his play. He may blame it on injury. I just think he's taken a step back in terms of his quality. And they're guys that they relied on last year to score the basketball off the bench, the Gabe Vincents, the Max Struces, the Duncan Robinsons. Well, Duncan Robinson isn't playing. Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, while they fill roles that the Heat need, they're not shooting the three-pointer as well as they were. This team needs to go out and find somebody who can help them on the offensive end. I don't think there's anybody of the Kevin Durant uh, eliteness who will be available. Kyrie Irving was kind of that guy. He's headed to Dallas. Bottom line, the Heat make a move. I just don't think it's a massive move that really moves the needle. It's probably just, you know, some salary filler, trying to get out 
of some bad contracts. I expect the Dwayne Dedman to get moved, something along those lines. What do they have down the road draft capital that they could give up Alejandro? Because, you know, you're talking about players who have declined. So to trade a, a Struess or a Lowry and try to improve, you know, it's like, do I have I'm an idiot on my forehead if I'm the other GM? So there's got to be some draft capital, or is it a three-way? How do they make a move like this happen, even though it's not, you know, the Kevin Durant super deal? But you're right. We all think they've got to make a move. Yeah, so they have a couple of their, their future picks, right? Um, and, and there was this report, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, he reported yesterday that according to uh, a source close to the team, they have changed their view on Kyle Lowry going ahead before this 3 p.m. trade deadline on Thursday, before the mood was they don't really want to make a move for Kyle Lowry. They felt he was a necessary part of what they were trying to do. Well, that's changed. They're willing to have talks now about Kyle Lowry. The problem is he's on the books, 30 million this year, 30 million next year, and he's just not as good, bottom line, and he's dealing with an injury. So who wants that contract? I mean, that's a, a pretty uh, big contract, and who's interested in his services right now? There aren't many teams calling. There aren't many suitors. That's just the bottom line. And then you look at guys like Max Struess. David so right Holden now, he's, he's only making $1 million dollars uh, $1.5 million on his contract. He's an expiring deal. Are the Heat going to be able to pay him in the offseason? That's a big if, right? Because you're already paying Duncan Robinson. If you can't move Duncan Robinson, well, you can't have Max Struess and Duncan Robinson now both getting paid because you expect Max Struess to make some money in the offseason. So you're right. Draft capital comes into play here. If they feel it's necessary to unload Kyle Lowry and that, that, that deal that uh, right now they're probably feeling bogged down with, yes, they may have to attach a pick to that trade in order to get it done. I don't know if the Heat necessarily want to do that. They've been drafting well. Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, those are all guys that they're pretty proud of in terms of where they took them in the draft. You know the Miami Heat um, are, are usually seen as a team that will go all in on their trade pieces, but that, that hasn't been the case as of late. I mean, they've been using their draft picks and using them wisely. So I don't believe they're going to want to do that. To me, it comes down to, can they get a three-team trade done? Can they bring in another team, use that as a means to move around rosters and salaries and make it all match? That, to me, is, is the more logical situation. Well, there's a couple of Bogdanoviches who can both shoot. Okay, but, you know, you mentioned an interesting scenario. Like, Detroit's one of the few teams that can take on, like, a Kyle Lowry salary and then release him. So you bribe them. You give them a future first-round pick. Take Kyle Lowry in a one. Give us Bogdanovich. He's a shooter. He's 33. His contract after this year is non-guaranteed. So if you want him, you can keep him. If you don't, he's making $10 million less than Lowry. Is that the type of... I mean, quite frankly, maybe high-end deal that the Heat could make because there's a few teams that want the Bogdanoviches yeah. who can both shoot. I think that that's definitely one of the more logical moves, possible moves that Miami can go and make. Here's my thing with Bogdanovich. I was thinking about this, and I've seen a lot of people say, Bogdanovich, go out and get him. I, I really do think that the Pistons at some point, this season it's kind of a wash. Cade Cunningham got hurt, but – this is a front office that next year is probably going to start feeling a little bit of pressure, right? I mean, they've done the tank thing for two years. I know that their first overall pick got hurt, and, and he's promising. But they're going to have to win some games eventually, right? I mean, this is a team that, um, if you look at the Orlando Magic, for example, I mean, they've done the tank thing for a couple of years. 
But this season, you're finally kind of starting to see it piece together. Not that they're going to the playoffs or they're going to be some team uh, that that you expect to have a run, but you're kind of seeing the vision. They've won a couple games this calendar year for the Magic. You get it, right? You watch that and you say, I see the vision there. Well, for the Pistons next year, they have to go along the same lines of what Orlando did this year, and they're going to need some veteran help, some players that can help them at the very least make a push for the playing game. I don't know how willing they are to just give up Bogdanovich just because he's a player who's a hot commodity and teams may be willing to send them a first-round pick. Maybe they do. I'm just not so sure that Bogdanovich is going to be traded by this deadline unless it really makes sense for the Detroit Pistons because he could help them next season with a younger core and and be somebody who can help them shoot. But as far as the heat goes, if you could land a Bogdanovich and you can get out from that Duncan Robinson contract or that Kyle Lowry contract, I do think that's the type of player they need. Somebody who can spread the floor, somebody who can create his own shot, and somebody who can knock down some threes. That's what the Heat need right now more than anything. Van Fleet, I saw in one, you know, reading 10 million rumor things, I saw one of Van Fleet being rumored possibly in a trade with the Heat. Is that is that too high of an expectation to get to get one of Toronto's players? Because they seem to be a big cog in what's going to happen between now and Thursday. Toronto's very interesting, right? You're, you're seeing the reports about even an OG Ananobi move. Pascal Siakam, he's on the trading block apparently with Toronto. And I kind of always take these reports with a grain of salt because who knows what's really happening. Is that just one GM who called up and said, hey, I'm interested in Pascal Siakam. And now that report becomes Toronto's interested in trading Pascal Siakam. I don't, I don't know because he always seemed to me like one of their core pieces moving forward. But I don't know if Fred Van Vliet for Miami is attainable. What does interest me is the idea that Kyle Lowry is a Toronto Raptor for the rest of his career. That organization loves him. That fan base loves him. He's arguably their franchise player, right? Their most important franchise player in Toronto. You could argue the Vince Carters and even Kawhi Leonard because he won, he won them a championship ring. But it's Kyle Lowry up there. His jersey's going to be retired, and, and the organization fan base – They have so much love for him. It's kind of like a Dwayne Wade Miami thing. So would they be willing to give up something and and just give themselves that Kyle Lowry reunion just to make the fan base happy? And and maybe they feel like they can still squeeze something out of the last couple seasons of his career. Maybe. I I don't know how likely it is Miami lands a Fred Van Vliet. Um, There there have been some reports that OG Ananobi – is somebody that the Miami Heat are very interested in. And Orlando seems to be, or excuse me, uh, Toronto seems to be willing to move on from him. So there's definitely some interesting possible trade situations with Toronto. Does Does Toronto want to help Miami, though? To me, I don't see that happening because that seems like a an organization that knows that the Heat, the Celtics, the uh, the Sixers, the Bucks, those are teams eventually they're gonna they're gonna have to go through. Do you want to send a very young, promising front court player to Miami to to ultimately come and beat you in the playoffs every year? I don't know unless it means getting back a Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo. And at this point, I I believe Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, and Jimmy Butler are just untouchable going into the uh, Thursday 3 p.m. trade deadline unless you can land a Kevin Durant, and that just isn't attainable right now. Alejandro Solana, QAM in Miami, part of the Heat Radio Network pre and post. Follow him on Twitter, Alex M. Solana, S-O-L-A-N-A, Alex M. Solana. Alejandro, 
thanks for your time. We appreciate it. We'll see what happens between now and three o'clock on Thursday, and maybe we'll regroup next week. Sounds good. Get your popcorn ready because <laughs> with all these reports, it's going to be fun, guys. I appreciate it. Well, thanks, T.O. Appreciate that. <laughs> Alejandro Solana joining us here on Miller and Moulton. They'll do something. Well, they because they do oh, something. They always do. Yeah. It's just I actually as, think they do something a little more significant because I think they look and realize they got nothing for the big four in the East unless they do something. It's just whether or not they can pull it off because they're going to be the players that are there. They're not the only ones that are after them. So can they put together the best deal? And that's what Riley and crew will have to figure out in the coming days. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening right here. Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Pat Kerwin joins us at the top of the hour, live from Phoenix, Super Bowl 57. The Madden Simulator yesterday said the Eagles will beat the Chiefs 31-17, tied at 10 at the half. Eagles scored three touchdowns. Chiefs tack one on late to maybe affect betting. Although I believe 31-17 is a close but under. I don't like those simulated scores. They don't match up at all with the numbers that I have on boards. <laughs> I need a game that's at 14-10, not 10-10. Okay. Just, well, that's not that far off. No, though. I know. I don't need early field goals. That's all I'm saying, David. No early field goals. Early touchdowns. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, Eagle, uh, Chiefs score first, according to the Madden simulator. Mahomes finds Kelsey on a four-yard touchdown. Seven-nothing Chiefs. And then the Eagles largely take over from there. Uh, Kelsey not the leading receiver for the Chiefs, according to the simulator. He has six catches for like 60-something yards and the touchdown. Tell you over. what. Hmm? Over. I'll bet over what the simulator says right now. Okay, well, that's what I was going to ask twofold. First off, if I put Kelsey's catches at six and a half, which way are you going? I would go over. If I put his yards at 70. I would go over. Isn't his yards total in the mid-70s? But here's the thing, though. Eagles fan, of which there are many of you out there, if I tell you right now, Travis Kelsey, six catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown, you signing up for that? Because I would if I'm an Eagles fan. For the record, you probably have to put that number. Well, his average is 78.7 yards for Kelsey. Right, that's average. Yeah. But, you know. The Super Bowl. No, no, no. I know. I mean, once again, it goes back to how it is you see the game unfolding. Like, do you think the Chiefs will be able to run the ball on the Eagles? Never mind, will they actually even try? There is, to me, the bigger question. Because there are people that think you can run a little bit on the Eagles. The great pass Correct. rush. Correct. They've all the sacks and all of those things. 
but that then means that Andy Reid is going to make a conscious effort to run the football in this game. Mm-hmm. Remember, Eagles with the best pass rush in the league. Nearly 80 sacks. I think 79 is the number. 78 or 79. They were 70 entering the postseason. Got five against the Giants. And I think they got three last week or last game. So, you know, nearly 80 sacks over four a game. So if you're the Chiefs, you know, the obvious way to slow down a pass rush is do what? Run the ball a little bit. Because even if you gain three yards, now it's third and four. That's manageable. Don't have to hold the ball very long, especially when you got a Travis Kelsey. So, you know, once again, it kind of goes to, do you think, now I, Mark, do not trust Andy Reid to run the ball in the Super Bowl. I just think that Andy's been, you know, two weeks of writing on bar napkins and what have you, that they're going to come out and Mahomes is going to chuck it all over the lot. Now, maybe they put some points on the board and what have you, second quarter. Maybe they try to soften the defense up a little bit. But I think Andy is going to go, you know, I got 15 plays here, and they're all going to work. And 12 of them are pass plays. Let's go, Patrick. You ready? Let's get a lead on these guys. Let's put Jalen Hurts in this offense in the hole. Okay? And see whether or not trailing in the Super Bowl, they can stay patient and keep running the ball, which is really their game. And putting them in a 60-minute game will be something they haven't seen. No, please. They haven't had a game in the second half in nearly two months. I mean, think about it. They're 28-0 against the Giants a minute in the second quarter, and they were 21-7 at the half against the Niners, and the Niners' quarterbacks were hurt. I mean, you know, they've had two. The last competitive game they had was when they lost to Dallas, when Gardner Minshew was playing quarterback. So, you know, once again, you know, how is it you think the game is going to unfold? Will the Chiefs be a little more comfortable early in the game because they've been there, done that? Will the Eagles be a little tight, a little nervous? Maybe need a couple series in the first quarter to kind of get the nerves out. Jalen, talking to you. You know, AJ, you sure you're going to catch the first pass thrown to you? You can drop it occasionally, AJ. Talking to you. You know, early in the game, Mark, does the Chiefs D-line hold up against the Eagles O-line? You know, as the game goes on, I always bet on the Eagles O-line to win. But early in the game, do Chris Jones and company look Kelsey and company in the eyes and go, eh, it ain't happening today, fella. And maybe at 6 o'clock, it ain't happening. Maybe 8 9 o'clock, it is. But by then, are you down? You're going to keep running? So the patience, the, the patience of the Eagles in this game offensively would be everything in the scenario you're drawing up. How long well, can you be patient? When you're down two scores. Yeah, and and this is where I do think the coaching matters, where I do think we have to talk about it. It is the Super Bowl, after all. None of the Eagles coaches have been there. Does that matter at all? We asked Joe Theismann yesterday. He said, I don't think it does. Who am I to disagree with Joe Theismann? 
But my gut tells me it should matter. Now, granted, the last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, obviously, Doug Peterson and his staff didn't have the experience that Belichick and his staff did. And, well, we saw how it played out. Nick Foles also had the game of his life. So, kind of just curious, how do you all think this sucker is going to play out? The Madden simulator, for what it's worth, Chiefs score first, good competitive first half, 10-10. Eagles take control in the second half. Dominate, in fact. Chiefs get a late tack on. 31-17 Eagles. That's a win. That's a cover. That's an under. For the record, the Madden simulator has been wrong for the last five Super Bowls. Didn't take into account that Kelsey's mom brought cookies to media night for each of her children last night. Can't factor that into a simulator. <laughs> you are right. They should let her toss, do the coin toss. You know, come on. It embrace it. It's cool. Whoever the corporate person they have out there, the corporate person just say, you know what I'd really like? Instead of me yes. being out there being introduced, could totally. we introduce her on behalf of Yes, whomever. Exactly. Right. Whoever it is. As president of Kraft Foods, I would like to hand this honor over to Mrs. Kelsey. Right. Let her hand all the referees a cookie. <laughs> Ma'am, congratulations to you and your family. This is truly a remarkable night. Okay. This is heads. This is tails. Good luck to both of your sons. Flip the coin. I think it'd be awesome. Are we ever going to see this again? Put it this way. Between now and Super Bowl 100, the next 43 Super Bowls, are we ever going to see brothers on opposite teams competing against each other in the Super Bowl? Period. Never mind the fact they're both pro bowlers. They're both Hall of Famers. Yeah, I mean, she's first team mom Hall of Fame for this one. Oh, mom and dad. I mean, my goodness. I mean, we thought it was amazing that the Mannings to have them, you know, in back-to-back Super Bowls be the winning quarterbacks. And that is remarkable. You know, the McCourty twins on the same team, but on different teams. What kind of cookies, by the way? I hope chocolate chip. Yeah, I do too. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. The bonus hour back in its entirety. Pat Kerwin joins us live from Phoenix at the top of the hour. Good, bad, and ugly. What's on tap today was the day when one hour from now. Big stories in the last 18-plus hours. Brady's taken a gap year from Fox. Brian Flores, the new defensive coordinator with the Vikings. Madden Simulator has the Eagles winning the Super Bowl 31-17. It's been wrong for the last five Super Bowls. Canes whooped up on Duke last night. 
in Miami, beat them by 22. I mean, with a grunt, like an uh, beat them up. They whacked them last night. Panthers whooped up on the Lightning after losing six straight to them. You could add the grunt. That, that might have been two grunts. That was, yeah. a, they, that was a whooping. Seven to one last night. Lightning back in action tonight, hosting San Jose. Speaking of tonight, LeBron goes for the record tonight, Mark. Yes. 36, right? For the record, he's averaging 30 a game. They're hosting OKC, 10 o'clock TNT. Lakers are favored by seven. Do you think he gets it tonight? No, I do not. Do you? No. He'll get it in Milwaukee. Or no, against Milwaukee in L.A. It would be fitting, by the way, because what are the two franchises that Kareem played for? The Milwaukee Bucks and L.A. Lakers. And Thursday night, the Lakers host the Bucks. The league wants him to get it on Thursday. Well, TNT does because they have both games. Right. Yeah, this is okay. perfect. They get the audience tonight. Oh, yeah. Where right. he can score 30. And or then. Maybe even 30. It'd be great. You know, 33, 34. And he throws up a late three. No. OKC with the win. See you Thursday night, LeBron, to break the record. How would you like to see him break the record? A dunk? A three? A dunk. A dunk. A breakaway tomahawk. Uh, that That's, you know, even he said that if there's, when he was asked about it, he just, he says, I don't really have, a, you know, you got Kareem with the skyhook. You got, got you know, a Dirk one-legged fade, fade away. You know, he doesn't have, in his opinion, a signature shot with maybe the exception of the tomahawk dunk. Right. Because he can do it all. A power move. Yeah. That, that's probably how it, it should happen. The funny thing is these two do not like each other. No, they don't. I'm very interested because he has to be there. Oh, he will be there. Yes. Kareem is taking the high road, but they do not like each other. And LeBron was asked before the start of the season about his relationship with Kareem. And he said, uh, we don't have one. <laughs> and you got to think, you know, I mean, Mark, we don't hold any anything. So I don't know what it's like to have somebody beat your record. Some people are cool with it. They're like, records are made to be broken. I had my time, blah, blah, blah. You got to think Kareem did not want to see this record broken. I don't think so. A very proud man went through a lot during his playing days, you know, changing his name from Lou Alcindor to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar 50 years ago was kind of a big deal. The big guy, so he, you know, all the complaining that Shaq did for all the calls he didn't get, you know, being the big guy. (laughs) Kareem towered over his entire generation. You know, the the one call Kareem got was on Lambeer in the 88 finals. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) Kareem was probably owed about 3,000 calls from officials. LeBron's going to do this in... Two full seasons less. Yeah. About 150 games less than what Kareem did it in. Someone threw up a tweet at me saying, you know, how many points did LeBron score in college? Elcinder had this. All accurate. Yeah. But LeBron's doing it in two fewer years than Kareem did. 
by the way, and this is a hypothetical, but if Kareem could have gone from the New York City high schools to the NBA, would he have? Man, you know, that wasn't an option. My guess is probably. I think so. Yeah. And also, because remember, when Kareem went to UCLA, freshmen couldn't play. So let me get this straight. I got to go to college and I can't play? As opposed to, I can go straight to the NBA, play, and get paid? So, you know, that wasn't an option in whatever year it was there in the late 60s. But... So that's tonight. Don't know how many of us will stay up. I mean, you figure if he gets the record, it'll probably be after midnight. Makes me tape the game. If it happens, I'll see it on the phone, and then I can watch the fourth quarter when I wake up at four in the morning. Right. I might buy three Celsiuses tomorrow. <laughs> um, you touched upon something during a break last hour. And we made one of those mental notes. Hey, we got to mention this sucker on the air. Um, David, there's been anybody that has been trying to pump this sport up. (laughs) Over the course of the last decade, it's been me. (laughs) What sport is it, Mark? Maybe longer than the last decade. It's curling, of course. (laughs) Of course. When NBC Sports went down, curling night in America went down with it. And I know that bothered eight of us but I may be giving you a reason to watch because Jared Allen, you know, great NFL DN Jared Allen is trying to make team USA's curling squad. He is at the curling national championships and yesterday pulled off a monster upset. His team Team Smith is led by Jason Smith, who was on the 2010 Olympic team, and they just beat Team Schuster, made up of John Schuster and others. But Schuster is considered royalty in U.S. curling. And yesterday, Jared Allen's team upset them in a monster curling upset, David. But Allen's goal is to make the Olympic team. And he did not. Back in 2018, he told another Olympian, I'm giving myself four years to make the Olympic curling team. Well, it may not be that far-fetched. Jared Allen apparently is a legit curler. Did so with other football players while playing with the Vikings, would go goof around. And now has a shot to be a U.S. champion in curling. He's a Hall of Fame finalist, too. I think he gets in one year, by the way. The the sacks kind of speak for themselves. I think he gets in. But which do you think he does first? Gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame or makes the U.S. curling team? Ooh. Probably the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, our next Winter Olympics isn't until, what, 26? Right. Yeah. So he's got another three, four opportunities to make the Hall of Fame. I think he'll make it by then. So David Sampson, you know, we would love for many of you to follow us on twitch.tv slash Miller and Moulton, in which this radio show is televised. 
and we have more and more of our guests who join us via video. And so David Sampson does every Tuesday at seven o'clock. And before we did our segment, we were talking curling. Because, you know, that that's you know how we roll at 6.57 a.m. And Mark was talking to David about his love for curling. And David described he traveled overseas and took in an international curling competition and described it as amazing. In Amsterdam. Right. Now, I don't know what he was on to make the curling so thick. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do have to challenge him. That We challenged him about his adjectives that he used, and he said, I will go to the wall. It was amazing, unreal, etc. Okay. But so here we go. You know, we got a professional athlete here. We'll do a lot for curling. Hey, they love showing it in the Olympics. NBC thought when they started the curling night in America thing that a few people would watch. I don't know if they ever did. Found it to be hilarious that it was on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock and just stumbled upon it and laughed my tail off. Because as someone in our Twitch chat room said, if you had to choose to be good at one of these, curling or pickleball, which would it be? I think most people think of curling as the shuffleboard you see people play at condos. And... I'm not sure people look at that as a real sport. But what are those rocks weigh? Have you ever, now you lived in North Dakota. Did you ever have to cover curling I for any reason? Covered, not, covered it, never threw a stone. Because they're never. really heavy. I yes. want to say they're like 40 pounds, maybe a little bit heavier than that. Never threw the stone. But Winter Olympics, by the way, in three years in Italy. I think the Summer Olympics next year are Paris. 26, we go to Italy for the Winter Olympics, and then we come to L.A. for the Summer Olympics in 28. But, yes, Jared Allen, Hall of Fame finalist, and now U.S. men's national curling finalist. Hmm. I'm curious. Is he a thrower or a sweeper? I think he's a thrower. The pitcher, I, the pitcher I have of him is is with the stone in his hand. 42 pounds, wow. by the way, the weight of a stone. I mean, he's a wow. big dude. Look at that. Look at that. So here was the defensive end, and now when you interview him, you go, you know, you're like the quarterback now. I mean, you know, you chased quarterbacks your whole career. Now you're the guy. So I found that interesting that Jared Allen – is trying to make the U.S. Olympic team as a curler. I like it. Always wanted to curl. I, I lied for that. years and said I was on the on the Lillenhammer, Lillenhammer Games as a sweeper. <laughs> I will say, when you lie about your Olympic participation, you have to get the yeah. I was better at it before. The country <laughs> correct, right? But you didn't really have to. No. Well, no one also, ever questioned. Look- no one ever questioned it. I had a U.S. Olympic curling T-shirt that I would wear out. Correct. Sweeper. Lillenheim. And they would just look at you like, really? Yeah. And then end it. (laughs) And also, I mean, looking at you, are they going to take a look at you and go, no way? I mean, you know, let's face it. Most of us physically, you know, you look at them and go, come on, you were never an athlete of any kind. Yeah, but it's curling. 
So you could get away with it. You know, besides, that was in the 90s. You look at them, you go, you know, I'm in my 50s now. You know, I was back in my heyday. I mean, come on, I'm not, you're not fat, okay? You're not even beefy, you know? So, you know, you could, you could pull that lie off. You know, me, no chance. I definitely call you only see me from the, you know, the shoulders up here. So beefy has hit me, but we're working on it. You know, it probably depends on the shirt. It, it always does, David. Light colored versus dark colored. Dark colored, you could pull it off. So, you know, and Adam asked in our Twitch chat room, does uh, Alan still have the mullet while curling? That's another thing that would do, add to his appeal. You know, bring back the mullet. See, there's hockey mullets, and then there's curling mullets. Exactly. So. Still got, got a lot of flow. Too. Still got okay. a lot of flow. Could pull that hey, mullet man. off. Listen, yeah, there's a hat on him, it. so it's hard to tell. If you got it, no sense cutting it. No sense cutting it. So, Miller and Moulton. I know you Pat had the fro. Did you ever have the mullet? Uh, a mullet, no. No. I had the big fro. Right. Okay, because my waves curled. They were so thick. But, no, I didn't go long in the back. Uh-uh. No, because also I was I was the hockey goalie. You know, I didn't want that, you know, curling out the bottom. Hmm. You know, I, I wanted it to, you know, I had enough trouble just getting the damn mask to fit. So, you know, catcher's mask, too. It's kind of like, can anybody loosen this, you know? No, I'm not wearing the helmet. Okay, because why? Because it won't fit. I got a fat head. I just need the mask. <laughs> Umpire threatened not to let me catch one. I was going to say, were you allowed right. to even play? And I turned and looked at him and said, dude, I'm the only catcher here. It's either me or you get hit with every pitch. All right, and they basically instructed the team to buy a bigger helmet for the next game. Port Charlotte, Lake City, Tampa, St. Pete. The bonus hour in the 239 is coming next with Pat Kerwin from Super Bowl 57. Thanks for listening right here on the Florida Sports Network.